0: Maybe you are just hopping into bed, cozying up to your lover to listen to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. I am Maureen McGrath. I am your host. I'm a registered nurse, sex therapist, all-around lover of life. How are you doing today? It's a gorgeous weekend we are having here on this long weekend. So hopefully you're enjoying it, taking some time, and certainly getting back to the bedroom. www.backtothebedroom.ca W dot back to the bedroom dot ca is my website. You can follow me on Twitter at back the number two the bedroom. You can give me a call, six oh four two eight oh ninety eight ninety eight or star nine eight nine eight on your cell. I'm told I should slow down. Have you been told you should slow down? Anyway, <laughs> We're not talking about slowing down tonight on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, but I should. I'll give you the number again, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell because May is Masturbation Month. And as I promised, and I am a girl of my word, I'm giving out a sex toy every week on the show. We've had a few winners, so you can give me a call and uh, tell me why you think you ought to win the sex toy And it's $50 you get to spend on my website, whatever, plus shipping. Anyway, as long as you enjoy it, that is fantastic. So I wish you all a happy ending in honor of Masturbation Month. We only have a few weeks left, so keep going. Masturbation is really important. But is sex after 50 important or is it less important for women as a Portuguese court ruled recently? I'm going to be talking about that tonight on the show also going to be talking about sociosexuality. Do you know what that is? I love that word. Anyway, we're going to be talking about that more toward the end of the show. Um, Anyway, that's a very interesting and controversial subject, I am sure. Also, Dr. Al Usby, who is a favorite guest here on News Talk 980 CKNW, Vancouver's News and Vancouver's Talk, Uh, He is going to be talking about fertility. Did you know he was the first doctor in British Columbia to treat single women for fertility issues? At the time, only University of British Columbia was the fertility clinic here in existence, and they would only see married people. How mean is that? Anyway, I am also going to be uh, reading some of the emails that I received from you, and I did receive this email, and I love this. Hi, Maureen. I imagine you get an avalanche of mail considering your topics. Don't be so shocked that guys listen to your show. We are also trying to find out what's happening on the feminine side. Laugh out loud. Many men are relieved that the issues are not of their doing. Ha, ha, ha. All the best, Rob. Hey, Rob, thanks so much for that email. Uh, And I'm actually glad that you're kind of getting it. Well, I hope you're getting it. But anyway, getting it, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) That you're getting... What I'm trying to do here, which is to educate people in an objective way, in a, in a fair way, and, and present all sides and both sides. Also on the program tonight, I have a master sex shame healer, Nema Singletary. She's going to be joining me in the second half of the program. And she has a client base of successful male and female clients who are professionals. They have incredible careers prominent people but they have one thing in common they were sexually abused as children now that's a tough subject but she actually helps to treat them and to heal them uh, and walk through that uh, pathway of shame and that life of shame because people who have been sexually abused as children or any time in their lives have may have tremendous emotional problems Uh, mental health issues, depression, anxiety, and most all of them will have issues with their sexuality and their sexual health and sexual desire, which is something I talk a lot about because sexual desire is important at any age for men and for women. It's not just women who get low sexual desire, men do as well. So my attention was caught this week by an article in the New York Times, which is one of my favorite newspapers because I happen to be from Boston. So I I love the Boston Globe and the New York Times. And I read them quite frequently. And according to this article, a Portuguese court recent ruling on a woman who had a botched vaginal surgery because she could no longer have sex. First of all, I want to say something about vaginal surgeries. There are many issues that occur for women uh, all along the life cycle. After you have a baby, you may have a prolapse. That means that that your bladder may have fallen down or your uterus may have fallen down. And it can impede urinary, uh, it can impede your bladder health. Uh, It can lead to urinary incontinence or difficulty emptying. Uh, A lot of women have a mid-urethral weakness after they have had a vaginal delivery. And that can lead to urinary incontinence as well, especially when you are coughing or sneezing or jumping. And so, but a lot of women will have just urinary incontinence for another reason, overactive bladder, for example. And many women come in and they say to me, can I just have the surgery? Just just tell them I'd like to have the surgery. Well, surgery may not be the treatment, number one. And you don't want to, have vaginal surgery. You don't want to take that lightly in any way. There are so many nerves in the vaginal area, 8,000 nerves in the clitoris alone. Uh, we've, we're beating the glands of the penis by twice as many. Um, there are so many nerves there, and the risk of there being damaged or having it cut, uh, a nerve cut, or the risk for sexual pain, urinary retention, recurrence, is... Pretty significant for some of these cases. You also want to make sure that the doctor who is doing the procedure or the surgery is a very fine operator. In other words, it is somebody who has done this type of surgery for a long time. So the type of doctor you would go to would be an obstetrician gynecologist or a urogynecologist, for example. So you want somebody who's done uh, this surgery many times, and you want to think about it very, very carefully. For example, for a prolapse, you might want to try a pessary or pelvic floor exercises um, or some other conservative measure as well. So to have vaginal surgery is risky. And this woman, who was a housekeeper, had vaginal surgery uh, some 30 years ago, I think now. And she was awarded about $175,000 because she had painful sex, which is not uncommon. When it happens to you, it's 100%. Painful sex after having this vaginal surgery, and she also had urinary incontinence, so leakage of urine. So she couldn't engage in sex after that. So the court originally awarded her $175,000, and then they lowered the award to $132,000 because they felt that sex for women after the age of 50 was not as important as it was, in fact, for men. Um, and there was another case of a man, a wealthy man in Lisbon, who had, um, he had prostate surgery, and they, I, I guess they accidentally removed his prostate. And with that, you're going to get urinary incontinence and also erectile dysfunction issues. But he was awarded $500,000 or something. So He uh, was—I mean, this is misogynism, this is sexism, this is abuse, basically. Uh, Amongst the arguments, the court's panel of three judges, which included one woman, which drives me crazy when women go against women. But she said that Maria was already the mother of two children, and she was 50 years old at the time of the surgery. Sorry, I think I said she was a bit younger— At an age when, quote-unquote, sex does not have the importance that it had at younger ages, I happen to think sex has more importance as women age because they become freer, they deal with a lot of the issues that they have had, sex can be far more enjoyable, perhaps the children have... Uh, grown up and they're out of the house and you can be come free and you can engage in things like BDSM which I'm also going to be talking about at the end of the program because that can actually increase communication and increase the intimacy in your life and so that's just another way and you may not think that that is a way to improve your sex life but I'm here to tell you it is. Uh, so that's just a little bit of uh, the, the sexism and the misogynism and the ageism that goes on around the world, especially around sex. So just raising awareness about these issues and talking about this, I think opening up the dialogue and, and hearing what you have to say about it. I love getting your emails. So you can email me at any time, sextalk at sextalkatcknw.com. You can always come to my clinic over at Crossroads Clinic. <laughs> email me and book an appointment if you like. There's a bit of a waiting list because so many people have sexual health problems uh, and I see many, many patients each week. So anyway, thanks for uh, listening so far tonight and I am going, do stay with me, please, if you have some staying power. When I come back, we're going to be talking about fertility and the new social media campaign hashtag one in six. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday night sex show. Can't see it. (laughs) I won't sing. I do want to thank Jordan Colbridge for being here as the technical director tonight, because that's not an easy job here on a sex show. We have lots of uh, things we need to turn on here. So, Jordan, thanks for helping out tonight, (laughs) Jordan.
1: You're welcome, Maureen. Oh,
0: great. Okay. (laughs) He's talking tonight. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome back. If you have just joined me, I'm Maureen McGrath. I'm the host of the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, registered nurse sex therapist, and I am thrilled to have joined me on the line, have joining me on the line, Dr. Al Usby. He's the medical director over at Olive Fertility Clinic. He is single handedly responsible for increasing the population here in British Columbia. He's well known to the station and uh, really is the guru of fertility. And he's here tonight to talk to us about the social media campaign number one in six to start a conversation about fertility or infertility and also modern family and not the show. Hello, Dr. Usby.
2: Hi Maureen. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Thanks for inviting me to be on again.
0: Oh, well, thanks for joining me on such a beautiful night. I'm sure you have a thousand other things to do.
2: Well, <laughs> well uh, it's always important to be on your show.
0: Oh, that's very sweet of you. <laughs> so this is infertility uh, awareness week. Is it I probably got the wrong name.
2: No, that's uh, you're absolutely right. <laughs> and that's what it is and why do we have that? Is a very interesting question. It's a a, a fact that Infertility is uh, a common problem. One in six married couples has difficulty conceiving. And people need to come out of the closet and talk about the fact that they're having difficulty. People need to seek help because we can help the majority of people.
0: So why are one in six? What are the reasons one in six couples are having problems conceiving
2: babies? Well, there are many reasons. Uh, I mean, that would. Uh, you're, what you're asking me to do is really run through the list of causes of infertility, and there are many. Women may not be ovulating. Uh, women may have problem with their fallopian tubes. There may be a sperm problem related to the male. Uh, but the, one of the most common factors, if probably not the most common factor that we're uh, encountering today, is the fact that women are delaying their childbirth, and when or their conception and we know that uh, the a woman's fertility decreases as she her as she gets older so women need to know they may make the choice that they want to wait but women need to know that if they delay their childbearing There may be some consequences with respect to having difficulty
0: conceiving. There are some risks associated with that. They say women should have babies in their 20s and focus on their career in their 30s, but that might put you out of work.
2: (laughs) Well, that's right, but, you know, times change. Uh, You know, back uh, 50, 60, 70 years ago, women were finished childbearing uh, by the time they were 30. Today, they haven't even thought of starting yet.
0: Uh, Absolutely. Things are very different today. And one of the hospitals, one of the local community hospitals, I was speaking to them recently, and they were saying their average age is like 39 years old for a first baby.
2: Well, I think the statistics in Canada show that 18% of all first births are to women over the age of 35, and 24% of all births are to women over the age of 35.
0: Wow. Now, the modern family, uh, we may have an idea in our heads about the... The couple that seeks fertility services. They may be 35. They've tried for a year. They can't have a baby. They come to the clinic. But that's not necessarily the modern family that you see in the clinic, is it?
2: No, not at all. I mean, that, that may be the majority mm-hmm. where we have couples who are difficult uh, having difficulty conceiving. But it certainly isn't necessarily the norm. We have single women who... Uh, have uh, either decided to have a child on their own because they feel that their their time is running out for them. We have women uh, who uh, come who are single and who have been waiting for, and I put in quotation marks, Mr. Right, and mm-hmm. we all know that there probably isn't a Mr. Left either, so uh, <laughs> they've been waiting for Mr. Right, and uh, he hasn't come along, and they want to have a child. So there are single women now coming to have children. Uh, there are same-sex couples, both male and female, uh, who wish to have uh, a child. It's more difficult, obviously, uh, with the male because they need uh, uh, not only an egg from an egg source from another woman, but they also need someone to carry the pregnancy. Whereas in the female, uh, they may already have the egg and they usually have the ability to carry the pregnancy. What they need is sperm to fertilize it. So we have that. And then we have Uh, women who are requesting egg donation. In other words, uh, uh, their eggs are no longer um, uh, going to be able to produce a pregnancy, so they have uh, used the eggs from another woman. Uh, We have gestational carriers where a woman can't carry a pregnancy and have someone else carry it. So the definition of uh, a mother uh, extends far beyond what we used to think of as a mother, which was somebody who gave birth to you.
0: Absolutely. Now, I do want to mention um that one couple that has been in your clinic, they were actually going to be on the show tonight, but they couldn't make it. Uh he J- Justin of the couple, Justin and Brett, have an amazing uh blog that they write, ourmodernfamily.blogspot.ca.
2: Yes, uh, um they uh, uh they're a a male couple who have had an egg donor and a gestational carrier and they are the parents of uh twins and so
0: how um, nice is that
2: well uh, you know it was something that was unheard of
0: (laughs) i'll babysit
2: you know we're in a very difficult position in the in the what we provide in our work because we will never please everyone Uh, i would like to be able to provide services and we do provide services for all people who require fertility promotion at the All of Fertility Center. But there are some people who will come and say, well, how can you do this and how can you do that? My response is, how can you be the judge of what, is, what a, couple, uh, a couple should have?
0: Absolutely. I was just saying that today. I, I am not somebody who I don't like to be controlled in any way, and I will never control anybody. <laughs> you know, I just think that's, and that's a form of control. When we judge other people and say, you should be doing this, you should do that, or you shouldn't do this.
2: That's right. Uh you know we do have some situations which are a bit on the fringe and I don't want to get into specifics, but we have ethics committees that we consult and so on. We never make these decisions uh, unilaterally. Right. Uh, so uh, because it's very difficult and what we do affects a lot of people.
0: Of course it does and and the children, the offspring as well, so those children that you bring into the world of literally. Course.
2: What we want is uh, for children who are born through the things that we do to be raised in, a, in an environment where they will, uh, will ner- uh, be successful and, uh, and-, and thrive. Exactly, it's right. That's the word I was looking for.
0: I knew it. Uh, now you've got this one in number uh, hashtag one in six a campaign aiming to empower patients to speak out about their lived infertility experiences and to educate the public because a lot of people are ashamed that they're infertile. There's um, I, I've treated many patients uh, who. They're not necessarily infertile or they don't know yet. They haven't even consummated the relationship, but they've already got the relative saying, when are you having the baby? When are you having the baby? And they've been married, you know, three, four, five years, and they've never consummated the relationship. So it's embarrassing when you've got infertility issues.
2: Well, uh, that's, that's a, an issue that in, in this day and age, we need to get over. We need to get over the fact that uh, someone, if they are having difficulty conceiving, needs to conceal that. There are, unfortunately, some ethnic issues in some uh, ethnic groups where it's very difficult to raise that issue. But the worst thing that anybody can say is, when are you going to have a baby and so on? Because a couple may be struggling to have a baby and they don't need that That little push to, to push them over the edge, feeling even worse than they already do because they're not being able to
0: conceive. Exactly. And it's added pressure and it's nobody's business, quite frankly. I think it, I think it's a private affair myself, but you know, who am I? Um, so you have a big event coming up this week, Tuesday night. you have a public health event?
2: Yes, we do. Uh, we have, a, a, the Olive Fertility Center has just opened a new office in Surrey. Wow. Uh, it is lovely. And we have an absolutely wonderful physician uh, named uh, Dr. Gunu Veresh. Uh Gunu is a uh, Canadian, born in Winnipeg, raised in Winnipeg, but trained in Ottawa. And when we learned of her, we hired her as soon as she finished her training to join us at Olive. And Gunu is uh, running our uh, Surrey office, and uh, she is doing a public forum on Tuesday night at 6.30 in Surrey at the Surrey Library. And she's going to be doing it in conjunction with uh, uh, the AccuBalance group with Dr. Uh, Lauren Brown and uh, his team uh, to discuss uh, all of the issues related to fertility. So it's a big event, and it's all part of this Infertility Awareness Week, which was really spearheaded by IAC, which is the Infertility Awareness Association of Canada, which is a support group for. Uh, women for couples who are having difficulty
0: conceiving. Well, you do phenomenal work. Unfortunately, we've got to go to break right now. We're running out of time. Thank you, Dr. Usby. And your website is?
2: www.olivefertility.com.
0: All right. Thank you so much for joining me once again on the program, and we'll have you back. All right. When I come back, you are going to stay with me. Uh, when I come back, we're going to be talking about sexual healing. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Maureen McGrath, and I am the host of the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, and I do want to thank Steve for staying with me and hanging on the line. Hello, Steve.
3: Yes. Hi. How are you?
0: Fine, thanks. How are you?
3: Oh, um, uh,
0: Oh, that's not yeah. good. Don't oh, know.
3: Could be a bit of good and a bit of bad. And,
0: well, uh, I like it really good. <laughs> well, I'm doing I'm doing
3: pretty good today, actually. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess my story is a bit of a love story. Oh, uh, well, my favorite!
0: It. I love love stories.
3: Wonderful. So do I, especially now.
0: I saw a Love Story last night. It was a forbidden love story. The HMS oh. Pinafore. It was a light opera. It was fabulous. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it was fantastic. So you tell me about your love story.
3: Well, 40 years ago, I was, what, 24 years old? And um, I met uh, a man in Montreal who was up here uh, visiting from San Francisco Bay Area. At that time, I was uh, struggling with my sexuality. In high school, I had girlfriends. Even in elementary, I had a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Later in high school... um, after high school, I had many girlfriends, but I was starting to explore my uh, sexuality, and I became a little confused. Ultimately, um, with this, with my sexuality, questioning myself, doubting myself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, along comes my—I'll call him Munch, uh, my doggy boy. I don't know what the heck, my my beautiful doggy boy. Oh, yes, uh, he was uh, thirty years my senior. Wow. Yeah, he's the age I am now. And, interesting. Um, what do you
0: mean? I said interesting. Love knows no bounds, and there's no accounting for neurochemistry of love and lust.
3: This is true. Mm-hmm. You, you just never know where love's going to come from. That's right. And um, uh, I was uh, playing a little jazz. I was a drummer, a very impoverished drummer with a hole in my shoe. I didn't even know it was there until I crossed my leg, and he saw the oh. bottom of my foot. Oh, he bought me out and bought me a pair of you know, sneakers. and uh, That kind of embarrassed me. And, uh, uh, but then he was interested in Montreal. So he, and knowing I was a starving musician, invited me out to dinner. I showed him around all the various Montreal hotspots, great restaurants. And um, then he mentioned something about the Laurentians. So I brought him up to the Laurentians. And, uh, and there we went to a little uh, bakery there. Quite famous baker I used, to, I think, to the best of my recollection. Uh, they would supply all of uh, Air Canada with their bread. And um, they had a contract, I believe, for some time regarding that. And uh, great apple pies, great berry pies.
0: Oh, isn't that lovely.
3: It's a quaint little town in St. Sever. And so I brought him up there and um, then brought him to um, a relative's cottage, which was vacant. Uh, for the summer.
0: This is now starting to sound like a grand story.
3: Yeah, well, I hope I'm not taking up too much air time.
0: Well, the show's only an hour. I just want you to know. Okay. <laughs> we may have to. Okay. Well, <laughs> but I love it. Don't well, get me we, wrong. We, um... And, uh, and, uh, Carrie, you were, if we could just perhaps speed things up a little bit. I generally slow. like to keep things up, slow but, and easy, but, uh... <laughs> or rough. <okay>. No.
3: <laughs> prior to him, prior to Dougie. Yes. Uh, it was mostly just sexual encounters, and I wasn't finding love in, in these sexual encounters. Sex was great. It was wonderful. It was erotic and exciting. And, um, well, and you
0: were together for 40
3: years. That's right. Well, not with Doug. I mean, not... Oh, no. Excuse me. <laughs> the, the Doug and I didn't have, uh, have sex until um, uh, three or four days or five days into our relationship. So you waited. <laughs> yes, which was unusual in the gay
0: well, oh, yes. unusual in a lot of uh, well, yes. relationships, yeah. Well,
3: could be. Um, and then, so, <laughs> forty years later, yes, I've come to realize um, that um, love and sex um, uh, can be and should be at times two different things. Sex but,
0: but, sex can enhance love.
3: Oh, absolutely, absolutely, oh, absolutely. Good hardcore sex can be the greatest thing for a love relationship.
0: Exactly,
3: and um, uh, and then good slow paced, uh, gentle, caring um, love making can be even better.
0: It can be wonderful, you know. And I love your story, but I I suspect there's more to it.
3: Um just recently Doug died. Oh. I lost him after forty years.
0: Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But yeah. he it sounds like he lived till a good
3: a long old
0: age, ninety four. Ninety two. I'm doing my okay. Ninety two? I mean you can't ask for more than that. Did you have great sex up until your nineties uh, his nineties? He
3: he was he was better in the sack than I was.
0: There you go, right? And everybody's always asking me, can uh, how you know, at what age does sex stop? It never stops. Is that right? Doug no, is a testament no, to that.
3: Nor should it. It's always young in my eyes.
0: Nor it should. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for calling me and sharing your story with me.
3: It's been my pleasure.
0: All right. Take care. Thanks for listening. Okay. I now have um, Lars on the line. Hello,
1: Lars. Hello, Maureen. <laughs> it's so nice to talk with you. I have wanted to call many times. Anyway, I. how are you?
0: I could not be better, Lars.
1: Ah, that's nice. That is nice. I want to win that prize oh, for the masturbation. Absolutely, you can go to
0: my website triple w dot back to the bedroom dot ca, oh. and you just shop by yourself, solo sex. Oh, there, thought, my friend.
1: Oh, I am sorry. I thought I could tell why I should win the prize.
0: Oh, you can tell me. <laughs> I think oh. is it oh, clean? Okay. This is the oh. family hour,
1: Yes, it's, but it's, it's uh, my friends will be surprised. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. Well,
0: now, Lars, you I, know that I get accused of flirting with the male callers. <laughs> I want you to know this, and that.
1: That, that is. I should be more
0: serious. I am told, but I am serious many days of my life. Go on, Lars.
1: I want you to know that um, I should win because. I have been known to masturbate between <laughs> hockey periods when I play <laughs> hockey. Are you think
0: you're alone with that? You think you've cornered the market on that? Are you kidding?
1: <laughs> I have never heard of anyone doing
0: this. Oh, come I've... on. <laughs> That's nothing. They're all, you're all doing it.
1: <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> I have no one has ever done this or I've heard not of this. The other thing I is... I hear my... a
0: lot, Lars. Go ahead. The other thing is what?
1: When I cut the lawn, after I finish the front yard, (laughs) before I go to the backyard, I go to the side, and I am known to masturbate in the bushes. (laughs) Before I cut the lawn. You win, Lars, you win.
0: (laughs) Okay. You don't have to share anything else.
1: (laughs) No, that is all my secrets i think oh well, there,
0: there you go you get fifty dollars to spend in between you know what <laughs> <laughs> if you can find the time you may be one of those guys who does it too much lars but anyway right. i've thoroughly enjoyed your call thank you so much
1: thank you We're very, very much we love to hear you uh,
0: <laughs> <so>. <laughs> wonderful i love when you call as well
1: uh, thank you all right Bye. thank
0: you so much Okay, well, there you have it. You know, sometimes people want to share their stories. And when you share your stories, you empower other people. I think it's great because everybody thinks their lives are, everyone else's lives are so perfect and nobody has troubles. But that's not true. Everybody has troubles in life. And we're going to... Sneak over to a more serious subject, and this is one of the issues that I see in my clinical practice certainly very frequently. And those of us who work with and study childhood sexual abuse, victims agree that the impact of abuse can last a lifetime. Many people, many of these victims, live with the shame of what happened to them and may suffer with a myriad of mental health problems like depression, addiction, and dissociative disorders. They have tremendous trouble, or they may have tremendous trouble with relationships. They may have one relationship after another. Some actually even self-injure. Others may become abusers themselves. Most have sexuality and sexual health issues, including, uh, as you might be aware, issues with sexual desire. Uh, When I come back, I'm going to be joined by a master sex shame Healer, Nema Singletary, the founder of the Academy for Womanhood. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I am joined on the line by Nema Singletary. She's a master sex shame healer. If you're just joining me now, we're going to talk about the very devastating subject of childhood sexual abuse and the impact it has on Adults and the impact it has on adults all across the life cycle, and at many times in every single domain of their life. Hello, Nema. Hello,
4: Maureen. How are you? I'm fabulous. That was a very elegant transition earlier with your very entertaining guest. That was great to watch.
0: Listen to this is radio. <laughs> Face for radio. <laughs> that was so
4: I was like this is cr-. I, I was glad to have that onboarding experience. That was excellent.
0: Excellent. I'm glad for that. Well, I'm glad to have you here on the show because I see a lot of patients in my clinical practice who have been victims of sexual abuse as children and I see the impact it has on their emotional and mental health and their relationships, their jobs, their weight. Everything. It just impacts their sexuality, their sexual desire, and you actually see a lot of professionals who are successful, men and women, who have been victims of childhood sexual abuse, and you help them to heal. This is true. Well, thank you very much for your great work, and so tell me, I know a thing or two about it because I understand that for validation, validation helps people, and and letting people know that it's Abnormal, that it wasn't healthy, it wasn't normal for them to happen, it wasn't their fault, those kinds of things. But what are some of the strategies you impart on people to get them through the healing process of sexual abuse?
1: Yeah, so you use
4: the word strategy. Um, thank you for asking the question. And I wouldn't use the word strategy. When I hear that, it just sounds so much like, you know, one, two, three, wham, bam, go do this, eat this chase this, come back and report back, and we'll take it from there. And my experience with working with healing sex shame is it's all about uh, presence with the client and them having the permission to feel everything, to feel the consequence of being this person who's been walking around with these wounds. And so if I were to select, you know, the thing, the And I'm going to just select something that's hot and significant and it's non-negotiable when it comes to healing sex shame. And there are many, but if I had to pick one, I'd say the quality of your presence with the client. And what makes a person have the quality of presence with the client is one oftentimes, um, for example, I always use the example of... uh, a person who went to school and got, you know, PhD in psychology and trauma and has learned, you know, two or three modalities for healing. So there are so many, but let's say they learned three modalities for healing trauma, you know, uh, medications, et cetera, all these different things they do to help patients, right? And then you have another person who was abused as a child and no one understood them, nobody knew how to help them, they never told anybody, they kept quiet about it, and they just walked around this for years, and at some point they had to figure it out because they noticed they weren't able to hold boundaries with men. That, oftentimes, that's how my clients are. They don't know how to create and hold boundaries with men. They don't know how to stand up in the boardroom when they're supposed to take a leadership position. They don't know how to uh, be the mom with the kids because a big part of them still feels like a the kid themselves. They don't know how to attract men even when they want to start dating again. I'd like to
0: clarify they, something. Um, this can happen to men and women, Correct.
4: This is true. Not, this is so it's true. not just
0: women who are sexually abused. It's not. Yeah.
4: I speak from, you know, the feminine angle because most women, those are most of my clients, women. Right. Um, and, it's, and that's a whole other conversation, Maureen, like men actually admitting sexual abuse and talking to someone about it. My experience is that it's there's like shame, sexual shame, and then there's the shame that you are ashamed for men. It's just a whole other weird thing that we would have to do an entirely different show about. But you're right. Both men and women are abused. And the point that I'm making here is that you'll have the, if someone who has been sexually abused, as I was as a child, and has had to figure out a lot because mom didn't get the consequence of it. Counselors just wasn't doing it. And just really had to figure it out. Like, I've been on this journey over 20 years. So when I come to deal with a client, I'm coming from someone who was, like, in the gutter with it, you know, and just really had to figure it out versus someone who went to school, got trained in right. a series of techniques and strategies. So I say the quality of presence is what matters because, like, you need to be able to hold me as the practitioner or whoever needs to be able to hold the full spectrum of emotions, even ones that, you know, I may have never experienced because if a person cannot unload that in their healing journey, then it's not gonna happen in our relationship together. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely it does. And um so can people heal from having been sexually abused as a child? Of I, I mean it, it it can hit Is them that in a trick question. But no, no, it's a it's a multifaceted impact that it has on people's lives. I mean they go from having uh emotional unrest mental health issues substance abuse issues self injury problems with relationships yeah. sexual desire issues yeah. that is yeah. a lot to handle that is a lot yeah. to heal that's a that's multiple true. processes it's it's yep. challenging and it's difficult the first step being that they have to want to ha- ditch some of the shame which is i don't even know if that's possible it's i mean because people are, have so much shame with this
4: I Maureen, this is a lifelong journey you know I have a radio show and I was just talking about this on Friday that some people think like women come to me and they're like like we talk about like different packages and it's like oh six months and I'm just like dude we're starting this but this is forever that's we right you know that I've been on this journey over 20 years and I'm still having to confront things that are not directly in the vein of like when people think sexual trauma, they think, oh, well, I need to learn how to have sex or to be sexual or desire. This could be related to how I'm raising my prices in my business and how that relates to how I feel about myself and how I feel about myself is related to my body. And the way I feel about my body is related to my sexuality. <laughs> and that's related to my, you
0: see what I mean? I do. And you're amazing. And I we're, we're running out of time here, but I want to thank you so much. I'm going to have to have you back because this is a massive topic and there is so much to process here. Name a single, Terry. Thank you so much. Your website is?
4: HealSexShame.com
0: I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. When I come back, sociosexuality and BDSM and how that can improve things in your relationship. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Maureen McGrath, host of the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. You can always email me talk at com. Hopefully I'll get to another email tonight. But I did want to get to sociosexuality. Do you love that word or what? <laughs> I totally love it. You might like it even more when you hear what it is. But it, it reminded me because uh, earlier in the program I was talking about the 69-year-old Portuguese woman whose award from the Portuguese courts was reduced because uh, they felt that sex wasn't important for women after 50. And what that has to do with se- sociosexuality, I'm not really sure, but it definitely has to do with BDSM. So um, Because that's something you want to, may want to engage in after the age of 50, or any time in your life, if you like. But socio sociosexuality is a willingness to engage in sexual activity outside of a committed relationship. Now, when I was explaining this to a group of people recently, once again, they were saying, oh, that's swingers. No, it's not swingers. It's just somebody who is willing to engage in sexual activity outside of their committed relationship for one reason or another. It's a case for casual sex. So if you approach this with a certain mindset, it can actually be an ego boost. And there was a study done at Cornell and NYU, two of the top U.S. universities, found that those with unrestricted sociosexuality can actually feel better about themselves after casual sex. So this is just something to think about. We're always pushing about self-esteem, and I talk a lot about sexual self-esteem, and there's many ways to increase that and improve that. But sociosexuality is one way, and that's that one-night stand can make you feel great and powerful. It, there's nothing more arousing than somebody who is attracted to you or you think that they might be attracted to you. Um, you know, so the, the mind is a, uh, is a great sex organ. And so one-night stands, it's something to consider if you're feeling a little down about yourself. Um, so we don't think of it that way. And and it's not necessarily to hurt somebody in, in the relationship or uh, it, it may just occur in life and may just happen. You never expected it. Uh, you may not be open to BDSM bondage dominance sadomasochism in case you're not sure what that is and that may conjure up some negative attitudes and ideas but getting kinky can actually make you a better communicator and what is the biggest problem we have with sex it's about communication as you can see i have that problem not anyway (laughs) sorry (laughs) um and you know bdm is kind of trendy right now because of the 50 shades thing and uh but the but you know our healthcare practitioners and uh, colleagues of mine, who are going to kill me right now, um, feel that there may be some benefits to saying goodbye to the vanilla type of sex. Because BDSM ultimately or actually means communicating with your partner at a very intense level. You're negotiating guidelines and discussing fantasies in depth. As I always say, fantasy is really important. It builds a greater trust in your partner and a greater sense of intimacy with that person. It can be psychologically Balancing. And did you know that if you are into BDSM, you are actually considered, you or you may be less neurotic? It actually makes some sense. Anyway, unfortunately, great sex always ends way too soon. Uh, I want to tell you that I'm going to be speaking on May 27th at Loblaws, where V Love has been launched last week. Um, I've got a whole bunch, they're on my uh, LinkedIn or my website, places that I'm going to be speaking. But one, I'm going to be in full cowgirl mode at the Cloverdale Rodeo. Ride them, cowboy. cowboy. Uh, anyway, so that's going to be a lot of fun. It's an aging gracefully lifestyle show. And I hope to see you there on June 27th, 2015. And uh, I think I'm speaking at like one o'clock in the afternoon at Shannon Hall. So do come out for that. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I Hopefully I'm going to uh, do some riding that day out there. So hopefully you will as well. And lots of other talks that I'm giving on Tuesday, the I-CORD uh, event talking about uh, vaginal health, which is vital. Anyway... Please visit my website, which is always improving, www.backtothebedroom.ca. Follow me on Twitter, at back the number two, the bedroom, my blog. I have a couple of blogs, actually, and I have some new video blogs coming out this week that hopefully will uh, entertain you, if nothing else. (laughs) Uh, I've really lost it now. Wait till you see these. Anyway, uh, (laughs) right, Jordan? Uh, So next week, uh, men who don't want to have sex. Why is fantasy important? And anyway, great sex ends way too soon. Have a great and sexually healthy week. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you've been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.